Hey, what's up, fam? This is your girl, Shakima Peoples, with Family of a Dozen in One Podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and sharing. Your feedback has left such an outstanding imprint in our hearts, and we thank you for that. Some of you have asked recently how you could be a blessing to give. I have prayed about it, and now there's a button that says, support this podcast. With that, you'll have an option to donate what you would like to help sustain more content. Thank you so much for all that you have already done. So let's get into it, guys. Today's topic is going to be about sexual abstinence. Yes, that's right, sexual abstinence. So I would like to get into telling you guys, you know, more about myself, you know, how that was such a large task for me because that was my sin. Straight up, that was my sin. Um, for, you know, some people it might be alcohol, it might be drug abuse, it, it could be a lot of different things. But for me, it was trying to fill a void and wanting approval, wanting attention from men. I can't say how early this um, sin might have been brewing, but I will say that I know for sure that it became prevalent in my life about the age of 15. So 15, um, 16 is when I got pregnant for the first time. And that year beforehand, there was just a lot going on. And I'll say that, you know, in the beginning, it seemed like that was just the thing to do. Everybody was doing it. It seemed like, you know, you can be intimate with whoever you want to be intimate with. You know, if they like you, you like them, it's okay. You know, you don't have to be in a relationship. Marriage wasn't even a conversation. And a lot of that was a lot of, you know, young-mindedness just wanting to do what I wanted to do. Um, I can't say that anyone really was like harboring on on that. You know, it was a topic, yes. Um, I knew that it was wrong, yes. But still, it, it was just something that I was drawn to. Over time, it became an addiction. It really became a strong addiction of something that, you know, I just wanted to do. And like I said before, a lot of that stemmed from how I view how I viewed myself. And the more times I put myself in these positions with different men, the more I was really tearing down my self-esteem, my self-value. Um, that I had a bad name for myself really when other people, you know, viewed me. None of those things are good, right? So over the years, I struggled with that. I struggled with, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, now maybe it's best to be in one relationship, not 
going from men to men, not entertaining men to men, being one relationship, that relationship did not work out. Um, at some point, that's all I knew. There was a long period of time that I was in a relationship and, well, at least long period of time for, for myself, you know, first real relationship, I'll say. And it didn't work out. I remember really being sick after that. When I say sick, I mean, my entire body, uh, just could not do anything. It just shut down. I remember having two children at that time. Um, At that specific moment, one child was with his father. The other child was with me. And it's so spiritual because, I mean, I stayed in the dark. My whole house, you know, curtains and all those things were shut. I laid on the couch. I couldn't get up. I mean, I was just vomiting. What am I vomiting? I hadn't eaten for a whole week. Um... I believe this was about the summertime. So my son hadn't officially started school yet. So every day, you know, there wasn't a routine just yet. Um, I don't remember what was going on with work about that time. Cause I do remember working a lot. I was always working or going to school. So I don't know what happened with that for that week. But I do know that I didn't leave that couch. And the spiritual part behind it is, you know, there was isolation. You know, I kept crying. I had the radio on, you know, because I, that's just what I do to this day. I love music. So the radio will stay on day and night. But I'm listening to these songs, right? These songs that's coming on is about breakup. Um, Drake's song had just came out at that time, Marvin's Room. Ain't that something? I'm really feeling like, okay, I got to get it together. You know, there's going to be somebody else. You know, instead of me um, thinking about Jesus, you know, (laughs) I'm thinking about, you know, how I can feel better and I'm going to go back to what I know. Right. But during that time, you know, some things are infiltrating my mind, even though I was physically by myself, um, you know, no other adults in the house. But my son was there. My son was also sick, too. So he just laid beside me on the couch. He would not move either. You know, he didn't have no passion to play. He was just, you can tell that he was just very um, stricken down, just like me. And that's what I mean by the spiritual part of it, you know. Um, It it was just a very uh, down, you know, down, like, atmosphere. Um, I remember my cousin, Tasha, she came over to visit me. And she had bought some Subway. I'll never forget that. And that's the first time I saw food the whole week. And I, I was like, I don't know if I can eat that. You know, I don't know. And she was like, you know, just try. You know, I'm just here for support. You know, she just came over to see me and hug me. I probably smelled like trash. I mean, the whole house probably smelled like trash. But it was so nice that she came over to see me. I was explaining to her, you know, how sick I am. Literally, like mentally and physically, right? I remember having a friend at that time. She also came by, you know, she's trying to help me you know, get it together. She's doing my hair. You know, you got to get dressed. We got to just go outside. You know, even if we just take a ride, I'll pick you up. Come on, you just have to get out. You know, she's trying to make me feel better about myself. You know, how I view myself. You know, it's it's not um, the end of the world because we're not together, right? So long story short, I got a little taste 
that night of her, you know, taking me just on a just on a ride. Um, we ended up going to I don't know some deli gas station. I don't know what we did, but um, I had on like this shorts and a shirt, whatever. It was dressy with some sandals, and my hair was done. You know, I could appear to be okay, but when I look back at that picture, I was skin and bones, like. It looked like there was something wrong with me, you know, just for me knowing myself. But when I walked into that store, there was a there was a group of guys outside. You know what they doing? Hey, what's up? Hey, you know you look good. You know whatever they saying. I'm I'm so old now, I'm 31. <laughs> I'm so old. I don't even know what they be saying these days. Half of the like lingo that you see back then, I don't even remember. But whatever they were saying, it was it was making me like. Oh, okay. They think I'm cute, you know. They think I'm sexy, you know. They they feeling me or whatever, you know. I'm not gonna give them the time of day, but it, it felt good to have somebody say something nice about me, right? So I go into the store, whatever. Come back out. They still trying to talk, you know. They asked me for my phone number, whatever, but I wasn't interested. Sorry, I was in Wine Dance, and um, I already had my whole views about some of the men. <laughs> guys whatever from there so there was no way that they was going to even have a chance but the point was i was starting to feel myself like wait a minute i'm missing you know i was sitting in the house for a week i'm playing myself like you know i'm better than that i don't have to you know sit around there's somebody else that's out there for me you know these are the things that's now starting to brew so you know after that go home still trying to figure out life you know I'll paint a quick picture. It used to be, you know, and I was in a relationship. So two people in the household with the children. Now I'm going back to a home that's just me and my children, you know. Again, not used to that. But I'll tell you what. I, I truly wholeheartedly believe that that was so needed. I am so glad that, number one, that relationship did not work out. And, you know, really... I'm, I'm actually glad that I went through some of the things that I went through. God actually really did cover me through that. You know, I didn't um, contract um, anything. I didn't, um, you know, anything that was going to be life threatening or that, you know, I had to continue, you know, treatments for or something like that. God covered me. You know, I didn't, I wasn't in these really, really horrible positions where, you know, my life, but, but I was. But, you know, it's, it's a risk. You know, God covered me, but it was still a risk. It was a risk every single time because, no, I wasn't, you know, using protection. No, I didn't even know who, you know, some of these guys were. Probably just only seen them for that one day. You know what I mean? So that is really uh, a risk that you're taking. And through that, you know, it caused a lot of damage. But I will say that without having to have gone through those things, I would not be able to talk about it right now. I would not be able to help, you know, other people that might be experiencing it. You know, my daughters or my sons, they have not experienced any of those things yet, but I actually am very happy that I can talk to them and tell them my experiences on a more of a personal, deeper side. So prayerfully, they don't repeat it. So, you know, the names that was being called to me, you know, 
you could imagine, I'm not going to repeat those words, but you could imagine some of the things that were said. I am um, 18, 19, 20 years old. And so after a while, I started to gain this attitude that says, I don't care. Whatever, you know, but but you want it or but you're interested, you know. And it was crazy. That was just the crazy cycle of repeating the same thing and receiving the same results. It was crazy. Come on. I don't want to be called these names. You know, I go back home now. I'm crying. You know, I'm feeling down. I feel some regrets over the years, you know, about things that I have done, uh, places that I have went. But as soon as my phone rings the next day or the same night, I'm out. I'm out or either I'm opening my door because I have my own place. So I'm opening my door, you know, after hours. So men could come by. Now there was a time that early on in life where it was just something that I did. Then it turned into maybe for a benefit. Then it evolved to, you know what? I'm not giving you nothing. You're going to give me everything because I'm sick. You know, I'm tired of this never amounting to anything. I thought that, hey, you know, this was going to work or that you were really interested. Turns out you only wanted one thing right um and the truth of it is how could I expect for anybody to want to settle down or to want to marry me or once I wasn't even in that I I could not be trusted just bottom line there's no way I could have been trusted there's no way I was ready for any of that I had no value within myself or probably for other people um it just wasn't gonna work I really, really needed Jesus and I really, really needed a relationship, a foundation there for anything to ever, you know, become a relationship or marriage or anything like that. So that wasn't going to happen. The company that I kept wasn't, you know, into church and, you know, trying to actually really seek God. So anyway, um, the the cycle, you know, it, at that point, I just decided you're going to give me everything. So what that means is, you know, I'm not going to be intimate with you. I'm going to play mental games. So I'll text you. I'll hold a conversation with you. Um, I'll see you from time to time. But, you know, you can take me out to eat. I like to get dressed up. You can get me a new outfit. You can give me money. You can do all these things. Um, chances are I'm probably being intimate and deceiving with somebody else right after you take me out to eat, right after you send me that money, I'm spending it with somebody else. And it just, it was a mess. It was, I don't even know how I kept up with all of that. But the truth of it is at some point it became a thrill. Sin was so wrapped up in me with this sexual sin that even though I was left hurt, even though I was embarrassed at times, even though, you know, it it caused a lot of things, a lot of damage, it was so fun to me. It just couldn't, I could not stop if I wanted to. And that's why I say for sure that that 
is something that I wholeheartedly needed God to help me with. There was no way that I was going to be able to stop doing that on my own. I mean, I hurt many of people that actually did care. I did, you know, actually really did want to help me, actually really did want to, you know, um, saw value in me, you know, but I couldn't see it for myself. So that's the truth of it. It starts with me. And as many times as I try to, you know, I'm going to delete this phone number or I'm not going to have any contact, you know, you're cut off. I'm not going to put myself in the same position. I'm not going to go on that block no more. You know, somebody's having a party. I'm not going to that. I'm not going to bother. Something new came up. Like it was always being brought to me. You know, this is the, that's what I was known as, seen as. So a house also, I had my own place I mentioned. So after a while that became the party spot. Everybody's showing up, you know, at the end of the night, only thing I'm thinking of, I mean, people might be thinking about drinking, they may be thinking about their choice of drug or whatever. I'm thinking about being intimate. I've already taken all the steps it needs to be in that position. That is crazy. I, I, I was literally setting myself up. I was actually putting myself in a position for my own failure on a daily, weekly basis. I, I look back and I'm like, wow, that that was crazy. It was really crazy. A lot of times I was not in my right mind. A lot of times, you know, I'm, it just, it was a mess. I don't even, I don't even know how to convey the details because all of it was confusing, confusing. All of it made no sense. And yeah, I'm not really proud of that part of my life. Um, but the truth of it is, when I started coming, when I moved, I moved from I moved from New York. I moved to Virginia. This was September of 2015, and I'll tell you, I decided I'm gonna move. I spoke to my cousin, Angel. Hey, Angel, I know you're gonna listen to this at some point. And she was, she had already moved here. And she said, you know, you should come and visit. Okay. So I came and visit. I was here for like a weekend. And I was like, actually, was it like Thursday to Saturday? So it must have been some, it wasn't the entire weekend. Or maybe it wasn't to Monday. I can't remember. But there was a weekday in there because I decided, well, let's go to the rental office. Let's talk to somebody, you know, at your apartment complex. I got my own apartment while I was here just showing up just those few days. I think it was three or four days. Um, she took me to the school where my kids would be going. I went and already got the paperwork, started the process for registering them. And when I went back, I was still waiting for an approval for the apartment. But I'm telling you, I already believed I got, I had already had it because I worked two jobs here. I could show them pay stubs. Um, there's another part to that, but it's just ridiculous. So anyway, I was able to show them that I could sustain, you know, paying for this. So in my mind, I was thinking, there's no way I'm going to be denied, you know? So I came back home and I immediately started packing. I'm telling you. And, and that weekend before I had hung out, I hung out. I was already with a group of new friends and 
you know, this is um, going to the, what, what we used to go on? Um, what was that? What was that? I cannot remember. We used to go to these bars though every week. It was like a strip. I can't think of the name of it, but it was a strip that we used to always go on. So the week, the weekend before that, I was there, you know, partying up, still same lifestyle. Nothing really came over me just yet. You know, no true repentance really came over me just yet. So, but something was starting to change because I came back and I immediately had this faith, don't know where that came from, that I was going to move. I packed up our things. It was a joyous time. You know, I even stepped out. This was, um, I want to say about two weeks before I even got the approval. I decided to let my job know. At one point I was working a, a private case, which I love that. I love that job. I was making so much money, um, not on the books. It was just straight cash. And it was about like $800, $900 a week. It was an overnight job. It was perfect. I will leave that job and then go um, to my supervising job at Walmart and Comac. And that job too. I mean, I was receiving bonus after bonus after bonus, which was just double my check. So my check was about 900, same thing, about eight to $900. I want to say every, every, about every two weeks, but I was working overtime. So that overtime made it over a thousand. It was great, plus the bonuses that I was getting. It was double. What? Like, I was supposed to be stacking, but I was really, I told you what I was doing. So I was really blowing a lot of that money. But anyway, I even set things in place to let, you know, whoever was in charge know that, hey, I'm, I'm going to need a transfer or that, you know, I'm going to be moving. I'm saying these things, right, with nothing in my hand that says, you know, congratulations, your apartment's ready or whatever. I'm just like, this is what I'm gonna do. I was struck stone, nothing was changing my mind about this decision. And I have my thoughts, you know, I'm going into a new place I have no idea, you know, about. I'm just gonna pick up my kids and leave. At that time, I had five children. Um, I had three boys and I had twin girls. The twin girls were not even one yet. They were about 11 months, 10 months. They were about 10 months. They were about 10 months. Cayenne was about to turn one. And I don't remember how old Randy Rakeem was, but I'll say something about like six and seven. So I'm packing them up. You know, I'm letting the school know. The only one that was in school was Rakeem at that time. Hey, we're gonna be moving. You know, we're gonna need a transfer. I need, you know, all the paperwork, whatever it is, physicals. I was not playing. And I remember the day I was waiting for the approval. <laughs> now I'm sitting down in my bathroom and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, now it's hitting me. Like, hello, Bobo. You was probably supposed to wait for them to say that you're approved before you started doing all these things. That's how my mind started to work now, right? Because I called and they're like, oh, well, not right now. You know, call, call back in a day or two. We'll let you know we're still waiting for everything to come back. I'm like, what? Listen, lady, I already gave everybody the notices that I'm not going to be here. I'm moving. You're going to open up that apartment. You know, I was just like, what? So I, st and so I called Angel. I'm like, they said that they haven't. 
have the approval yet? Oh my goodness, my whole house is packed. What am I going to do? And it's funny because as I'm thinking about all that, I still don't even know how I'm getting to Virginia. Ain't that something? I didn't have a car. I did not have a car at that time. I didn't have a storage. So, you know, how am I going to get beds down there? Um, I didn't even have a rental car to get down there. Crazy. So, <laughs> I don't know. I was really living this la-la land life. I'm serious. I was very, my mind, you know, for the most part, I was very much mature. You know, I could stand on my own too. But there was a lot of things that just did not add up. And you could call it faith. I would call it faith now, you know, stepping out and saying, hey, I'm going to do these things, which is so crazy. Nothing that I've ever done before. But at the same time, there was other things that still wasn't in place, you know? I don't know. I guess I was just living this dream, this thought that everything was going to work out. And I was perfectly content in that. Well, long story short, they called me. Hey, you can come on, you know, um, that your place is going to be. I had, I had already... Um, by this point now, I had already set up um, rental and storage and moving truck and all that stuff um, with the help of somebody who actually really cared about me, really wanted to be a part of my children and I's life, but I rejected him. Um, and so with the help of all that, you know, uh, people came over, Mrs. Daniels, um, I love you. Her and her husband had came over to help at that time. Um, and they helped, you know, get everything together, get everything moved out. Um, I believe that the apartment was only going to be like shy of one day of not being done, but I had already scheduled to get out of there the day before. So I just, me and the kids, we just, you know, took our clothes, whatever bottles, car seat, got in the car, drove on down there. I, you know, stayed at my cousin's house for a day. And the next day we went around the corner because the same like apartment complex moved into our place, looked at it, you know, fresh paint. It was nice. It was really, really, really nice for um, just moving out of New York. You know, it was $700 a month. It was a two bedroom, kitchen, dining room, living room, bathroom, you know, basic. But it really was my first time like, wow. Now I lived in an apartment, yes, in New York, but it was like an extension of my landlord's house. And even that, I mean, that was a blessing. It was a two-bedroom. They made they made that area into a two-bedroom. It was a double sink, you know, bathroom, kitchen, um, living room. And, you know, had those things. But this actually looked like an apartment, you know. Where I lived, it was a house. It was more comfy, you know. Cool. We loved it. I stayed there for uh, close to four years, I want to say. So it was a lot of consistency there. But now it's like, wait a minute. Okay. I'm walking in the front door. I'm not walking behind the house. You know, I was really feeling myself. And all the kids was in the same room. The babies had their crib. And then Randy, Rakeem, Cayenne, she had a bunk bed. Um, you know, I had my room and really the babies was in my room too. But anyway, just, it was a little refresher on like, ah, new, you know, I don't know anybody here. I can create whatever I want to create, you know, whatever pass, uh, Things that I'm attached to, I can delete it. I can be free from that. Nobody's showing up to my house and just walking in because nobody knows me, you know? So that right there, the first day that I stepped foot into that house, apartment, 
Mr. TK came and knocked on my door because there needed to be an inspection done for roaches. That's the first day. I told you, the first day I moved in, there was already roaches there. But um, he had came, knocked on the door. He's supposed to be doing the extermination. Um, he gave me a flyer to the Potter's house of Newport News. And I looked at it. I was like, hmm, okay. I didn't have a car. I didn't have transportation. Remember, this is my first day living in this apartment. Just stepped foot in there. I did not even take anything out of a bag. It's all sitting in the living room. Never had roaches. I didn't know what, where they came from. Well, that's a lie. I did have, <laughs> I did have roaches in New York, but by that time, they was gone. So I wasn't traveling with any. So anyway, so he gave me this flyer. I looked at it. I was like, this is a cute flyer. It's nice. It's shiny. Hmm, okay. Think about it. I'm looking for a church. You know, I just moved here. I don't know anything. So, okay. Thanks. So, um... He ended up knocking again another time because he was going to do another extermination. I said, I ah, know, thank you. Hey, you coming to church though? Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. So um, that apartment went well. Like I said, it was $700 a month. It was great. I, I had a next door neighbor. Um, she was older. She was an older Hispanic lady. She was the bomb. Um, I, I learned so much from her. I gained so much wisdom for her. I felt like... I was actually evolving from, you know, wanting to kind of do what I want to do, having that fast life, you know, doing all this stuff to really settling down, dialing into my children, being a homebody. What? I was at home. I did not work for a while when I first moved to Virginia. I just stayed home and took care of my kids. And that was that was fun. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, I will say that some of the contact was kept. I kept going back and forth to New York to visit for a time. And that was a large hindrance. But God, you know, over time weeded that out of me um, because I found ways to still get back into that same kind of realm. But now I had another taste of life. So what was always so fun, spending money, you know, aimless and all that. It, it wasn't that much fun anymore. I started to see when I, more times I went, how it started to kind of like die off. I had no passion for that anymore. Because now I'm having fun taking my children to a farm or bush gardens or something else that's going on here, festivals. I was really, really in love with the festivals here in Virginia. That's one thing that really drew, drew me with them because they found excitement in it. So anyway, going forward from that, I had gotten the flyer, did not go. Um, things are going good where I lived. I ended up moving, now I'm leveling up, ended up moving into a nicer apartment now. And again, the same week, somebody else comes and knocks on my door. And I'm like, hi, are you looking for the last people that used to live here? Uh, I'm new here, I just got here this week. And she's like, nope. I am here for you. So I'm looking around. I see people pushing their strollers. I'm looking outside. I'm like, what is this? Who are these people? Why are they all knocking on people's doors? And so she, I'm all, you know, relaxed. Um, this, this, this apartment is a little bit more upscale, a lot more upscale from where I left from $700 to maybe, I don't know, a thousand. And at that time, isn't that something a thousand dollars for a, what was considered a luxurious apartment? Um, so anyway, I don't want to go into details so much about the apartment, but the idea is that I was 
really, really relaxed and content and, you know, appeared to be that I had it all together. At this point, I did have a vehicle. I had a van and, you know, it could appear that I'm living the life, right? Because finances are taken care of. I'm not worried about finances. So she's talking to me and I'm like, uh-huh. You know, she's telling me about her past, you know, how her marriage may have had issues and how God restored it. And I'm nowhere near marriage, so I couldn't relate. And then she, I noticed that she had twins. I'm like, oh, I have twins, you know, okay. So there was some kind of, you know, similarities going on here. They were the same age and okay, she likes to do hair. I love getting my hair done. So we, I was like, oh, you know, I don't, she, <clears throat> she then gives me the flyer for the, for the church and I look at it and I'm like, okay, I think this is the same church that I just got six months ago, but it was a different picture. <laughs> Newport News. So I learned that the picture changes, address stays the same, unless obviously the church moves. So I was like, I think I got this already from somebody else. And she may have said something along the lines of, you know, looks like God's after you or something like that, you know? And I was like, mm-hmm. So when did you say you were available to do my hair? <laughs> God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> my little, little, little minuscule brain, still selfish, still not understanding, you know, but God knew exactly. I mean, who's to say that God didn't use that? TK, what in the world? What am I going to be talking to him about? I ain't talking to him. So God knew, okay, she needs somebody that she can relate to. It was perfect. You got twins. You like to do hair. You're a stay-at-home mom. You can pour into me. You got nothing but time. I got nothing but time, but I filled my day up. I'm telling you, I was filling my day up with a whole bunch of stuff, but it wasn't of God. So I look at that and I'm like, wow, God, you was really tracking me down. You was not playing. Only six months of me being there, two people witnessed to me. I was really crazy if two people needed to witness to me. So I didn't go right away. But guess what? I saw her on a regular basis. I mean, she was inviting me to concerts. She was inviting me to Bible study. I wasn't going. I wanted to. I looked at it. Yeah. Thought, nah. And so at that time, I had people coming over to my house. Now I got a new group of friends, you know, here. And it wasn't too wild. It wasn't wild like New York, but it was wild enough. And people would come over to my house, you know, we'd be drinking a little bit. I wasn't really not much of a drinker. Maybe they'd be drinking, you know, it's just something to say we have. But, you know, the point was that we'd be hanging out. None of it would be godly. And then I would get a text from her that's like, hey, we're having Bible study on what, you know, this, this Friday, you want to come? And I'm like, you know, as I'm talking to my friends, I'm looking at this text message and I'm like, I don't know. I just left it, you know. Or sometimes I would say no, sometimes I would tell her, let her know, you know, whatever. But I didn't go right away. It took me six more months to actually go. And I remember going to a concert. Um, I might have went to a church service. No, it was a church service first. And then I went back for a concert. And I remember actually making those stands. You know, my friend once, um, one time had knocked on my door. This was right before the concert. And she was like, oh, you know, what are we going to do tonight? You know, we've had plans on hanging out with such and such. And I was like... I can't. Concert starts at seven. I gotta be at the concert. 
then I, and, and she was, man, she was really, really, I can call her my friend. Like she really, you know, understood, did not, you know, try to change my mind about going to church or anything like that. She completely understood, but it was out of the blue. It was just like, I can't do both. And I wasn't ashamed about it. So I remember something else coming up. And I, I, again, was like, you know, I can't do that anymore because I started going to church now. You know, I'm actually trying to live by what I'm hearing in the services. I felt very convicted. I know my first service, I raised my hand, went to the altar. Um, I fell in love with the atmosphere there. I felt like there was a lot of love. I felt accepted. I felt like even though I had walked into that place with five children, I was not married. Um, a lot of what the world may call, you know, terrible or, you know, they just accepted with open arms. And I saw that there was actual love. I saw that there was peace in people's homes because over time now I'm going to hang out with different people and fellowshipping and all that stuff. And I got to just sit back and watch and listen to conversations. And I knew that it wasn't perfect, right? But I couldn't deny that they had something that I didn't have. Like, even though I may have cleared out everything in my home that wasn't of God. And, you know, I, I started to do all those things on my own, just my own convictions and just, you know, I... I just decided, you know, if I'm going to hang out with somebody, it's not going to be in my house anymore. I started making those stands that said, I'm not, I'm going to be free from this somehow. I didn't get all of how, but I knew that I could start making stands such as no man is coming to my house. We're going to hang out at the park or we're going to hang out at Bible study together. Or, um, you know, after a certain time, no, we're not, I mean, I didn't cut the talking off. You know, we could talk on the phone or FaceTime or whatever, but we're not going to be physically in each other's presence because it can lead to other things. I knew myself. So I was taking those stands. I can't say that I was going about it the right way. I wasn't going about all of it the right way. Um, I didn't know how I was supposed to feel. I didn't know how I was supposed to think. Remember, I went from being wild out there. I was always available to now I'm like, let me let me just see how this other side works. You know, I'm I'm really wanting to make God happy. I want to do something for God. And I knew that my lifestyle wasn't pleasing to him. Fast forward, I went to a revival. And I remember that night I wasn't gonna go. The babies were sleeping. And I didn't really know the importance of revival. So I remember Tay, Tay Howard hit me up and I used to, I was also faithful for the most part. I was getting there. I shouldn't say faithful, but <clears throat> I was going to her Bible studies on more of a regular basis, I should say. So when revival came, you know, she was letting me know, Hey, you know, you coming tonight. I thank God for that message because I wasn't going to go. Um, like I said, in my mind, babies are ready for you know, bed, I'm not leaving my house. Even though the church was only two minutes away. When I say two minutes, literally two minutes on the GPS. I was not going. And she's texting me, you know, about the importance of coming. She's already there. And I'm like, okay, you don't understand. You don't understand. I have five kids. 
I've been doing a lot of, you know, changing mental things. You know, this has been hard on my own. You have, you, you may have the same amount of children, but you have a husband that's going to help you. I don't have that. You have no idea how I feel. You have no idea what I'm going through. Tonight's not the night. I'm not coming. You know, something along those lines. It just was really a, a matter of, I believe that she didn't understand. And I'll tell you that something changed in that instant. God spoke to me. I got those babies together, put their shoes on. I never even got dressed. I had on a sweatsuit. I put my shoes on. All the babies got in the car. We made it to service. We made it to service right before he started the service, the sermon. I missed song service and all those things, but I believe I got there right for, you know, right then, right then what I needed to hear. And not to say that those things are not important, but for me, where I was at, it was right on time. And the first thing he said was, I don't know who this is for, but you need to break up. So I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, these people are married in here. He ain't telling them to break up. He must be talking to me. But I didn't say nothing. You know, I kept it cool. I'm like, what? And then, um, oh, wait, let me back up. Let me back up. So I was walking into the church. Tay was sitting in the back of the church. And I walked past her, but I I looked at her. You know, I gave her like a little stinky, little stank look like, I'm here. You happy? Like I'm doing something for her. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I was. Maybe I was encouraging her faith. I don't know. But not with that attitude. I was a trip. Like, and I wasn't afraid to tell you back. Remember, I'm coming from crazy wild. Like, I don't care if you a church person or not. Like, I'm about to tell, I'm gonna tell you the truth. I'm gonna tell you how I really feel. That's one thing that you didn't have to worry about. Is like, is she serious or is she not? Oh, you gonna know. So God help me with that too. I'm not like that anymore. But I looked at her and I was like, rolled my eyes, you know, and kept walking. There was nowhere for me to sit. So guess where I had to sit? All the way in the front. I was so upset. I'm like, not only am I late, but now everybody looking at me. I got the sweatsuit on. <sighs> okay. So I'm here. He says that. He says, um, I don't know who this is for, but you need to break up. So I'm like, that is for me. What? I ain't breaking up. Should I break up? All right, God, I don't know. Let this man keep on talking. Who is this man anyway? So, um, then at the end of service, um, I went to the altar. Obviously, after all that crap, I was I was convicted. And I went up there, you know, and I just stood there, you know, at the altar. I don't like I said, I don't know how revival works. I don't know about words and all that stuff. I'm just standing there. And he comes over to me and he said, can I, can I, can I talk to, you know, can I pray for you? And I'm like, yeah. And he said to me, he said, you are oppressed. And I felt like, whoa, what is that? That's bad. <laughs> you know, okay. So he said, you know, you need to forgive someone, you know, you need to forgive someone. You need to forgive yourself. You know, he's basically encouraging me that God wants to do so many things through my life. Um, he told me that I am still dealing with a past hurt and that every time I think about this person, I become very much down. Like my whole day, I could be having a great day, but as soon as I think of this specific person, or memories, or something can be, I play in the music and it triggers that memory, I shut down. I go and crawl up into my bed. You know, I can't function. And 
I cried. I cried right there at the altar. And I knew that when he said forgiveness, that it was about um, the person that I was dealing with at that time. It was about my children's fathers. I mean, I could think of a whole list of people, but it was more prevalent at that person that I was dealing with at that time. And then when he mentioned that there's someone that, you know, I can I can think about and I crawl into a bed like a baby, he was talking about my mom. I missed her. I missed her so much. She had already passed away at that time. So I knew what he was talking about. I couldn't be free from that. I just couldn't be free. And I thought about numerous times in the past um, committing suicide because I believed that it would bring me closer to her or that I would go to heaven. Uh, You know, just I didn't know any better. But I'm here to tell you um, that that's not true. It's not true. Um, I would have been in hell if I decided to uh, do that. And this man prayed for me. I felt freedom at that altar. And I'll tell you that today, I do not have those pressing thoughts anymore. When I walked away from that altar, I never felt those traumatizing feelings that I felt before that. I was officially healed at that altar from my mother's passing. And I took stands on not meeting with any men, changing my phone number, not texting men, not signing myself up for all these dating apps and all these things. I was a changed person right there, standing at that altar. I struggled, I I ran to my pastor, I got closer to women in the church. Um, That was prevalent to me that God is real and God loves me and God is going to comfort me. I was never the same person after that encounter at that altar. And I just want to encourage you that if you are dealing with some of these things, it doesn't have to be my sin. Maybe it's something else that you feel like is controlling you or that you can't be free from. It's a, it's a bad addiction. It's not of God. And you would like to like sincerely want God to forgive you. I'm asking that you will repeat this prayer with me. All right, let's pray. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I have sinned against you. And I am asking that you would forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again on the third day for me. I give you my life to do with as you wish. I am asking that you come into my heart, that you come into my life, and that you would speak and live through me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I love you guys. I'm going to believe with you. If you send me um, a message on here, if you know me, uh, send me a text message, um, messenger. Facebook is family of a dozen in one. 
Um, you can go on there and send me a message. Also, the other Facebook is People's Fam. Uh, there's another Facebook that Shakima skipped with. I mean, there's many of ways to reach out to me um, if you would like, you know, and say, hey, I prayed with you or hey, you know, God, I would love to hear what God does for you after this repentance because God hears you and he loves you. And one thing that I wanted to share with you as well was in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, it says, he asks, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So the meaning of these scriptures is about avoidance of sexual immorality. And I read that a lot of times, a lot of times to continue to renew my mind and train my mind that, no, you do not deserve to touch me. You do not deserve to look at me. I am not going to put myself in these positions to... um, help others fall as well. You know, I'm going to dress modesty. I'm going to dress fully clothed. I'm going to have my mind on straight too, because just, I, just because I'm dressed in all these things doesn't mean that I'm not thinking, you know what I mean? Or doing things with my eyes that might be a signal to someone. So the whole point is, is that I learned, no, I need to remember this. God did not create me to just uh, be open like that. No, who God has for me will be for me and that is the only person that I am going to be with because God gave that approval not I did it on my own I am the Lord's every bit of me belongs to him so thank you all for listening I hope that I was able to help somebody I really really truly truly encourage you to give it all to God let God help you I hope this encouraged you this morning have a great day guys bye